So we're going to continue our series um, called Living for Eternity, and we've been reading out of 1 Peter the last couple of weeks, and we're going to keep doing that for another few weeks. Today we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 19. This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. What credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you suffer uh, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. <laughs> Good morning, church. As I look about, I see many um, good, solid Texan gentlemen in the room with me today. Don't give me a name, man. Give me a yeehaw. <laughs> hey, guys, let me ask you. And ladies, too. Maybe this might happen to you as well. You ever have that, that, that moment when you're walking up to... By the way, that was the worst yeehaw in the history of yees and haws. <laughs> You ever have that thing where you're walking up to the restaurant, you know, and, um, and you know there's somebody kind of behind you, so you just kind of like do that extra little jog up, and you grab the door and you hold it so they can come through? Okay, so far so good. I've already lost like a third of y'all, but okay. So you're holding the door, they come through, and then, you know, there's another family right behind them, so you just kind of keep holding it. And there's another family right behind them, you know? And like 15 minutes later, you're trying to decide like, just how do I, how do I stop? How do I stop this? Can somebody pull a fire alarm or something? You know, you decide like, okay, nice is nice. It's fine, but somebody else has to do it. So you like wait for the next burly looking dude and you just kind of try and make that eye contact like, and they drop it and, you know, kind of slip in. Am I alone in this? No, you, you, I know you've lived this, man. I can see it. And, and then you get in, you go up to the hostess stand, and she's like, oh, yeah, we just sat our last table. I'm sorry. It's going to be about a half an hour wait. Oh, that's what you get, man. You know what they say, no good deed. No good deed goes unpunished. Why did I get more of that than yeehaw earlier? <laughs> I gotta be honest with you, no good deed goes unpunished is a really cynical saying. I wanna make an agreement with you all right now, okay? After this sermon is over, we don't say that anymore. Maybe by the end of the sermon, you'll be there with me. I can see some of y'all are like, I don't know, man. 
But I want you to think about that. What does that phrase mean? No good deed goes unpunished. Like, what kind of advice is that? It's like saying, that's what you get for being nice, you dummy. Stop doing good already. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. We're not saying that one anymore. In fact, I think the Christian way, the mature Christian way of looking at it is quite the opposite. And we'll get there by the end of the sermon. That said, you're going to have to take the long view for that to be true. In our reading today from 1 Peter chapter 2, we are given a very frank and by the end, very positive and hopeful picture of what following Jesus entails. Now, if you've been tracking along with me through our study of the book of Acts, this is going to sound familiar. And if you haven't, there's like 40 hours of Bible study on our YouTube channel. You can go back and watch. But here's a big theme that we got through the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a story of people trying to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and trying to live out the things he told us to live. And it's powerful and amazing what happens. But it's also not easy. So I want to frame the words from from Peter today like this. The closer you are following Jesus the more your life and your story will come to resemble his. Does anybody want that here today? Are you sure? The goal of the Christian life should be, at least in theory, to have a life like Christ. So let's map that out a little bit. Jesus was kind, right? He was kind, but he was not a pushover. Jesus was humble, but he also spoke and acted with boldness and confidence when it came to God's word and God's will. He did everything right, and yet his life was incredibly difficult. And that's what we all said that we aspire to, a life like that. The world has a real hard time with Jesus for precisely this reason. Uh, people who don't know Jesus well or don't really understand his story well, it's kind of easy to, to, to squint and go, yeah, I would like to be like Jesus, right? He's wise. He's, you know, said a lot of good stuff. He seemed to be kind of peace-loving, but, but if you really look at the life of Jesus, there's a lot of suffering bundled in there. In the wise of this world, the, 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 the people who are wise in the ways of the world, they, they can't make sense of that because they can't look beyond the horizon. The only thing that people who don't see life through the eyes of eternity. The only thing they have is right now. It's the only thing that they can claim as real. But we don't live for now. We 
live for eternity. We take the long view. So Peter, in, in our reading today, he made some bold claims, and I want to unpack them with you today. So we'll look at verse 19 and a little bit of verse 22. He says this, This is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. And then again, two sentences later, basically says it all over again. If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. What does that even mean? Well, first things first, I've looked at several different translations of this verse, and um, many of them translate this word in different ways. Like some people will say, like, this is acceptable to God, or this is pleasing to God. I, I think that the ESV that we read today actually did this really well by saying gracious. Because um, the word they're trying to translate is charis. I don't usually get Greek geeky with you, but we're going to do it a little bit today. Charis. And charis is almost always translated as either the word grace, that's the most basic meaning, sometimes thanks, right? Um, kind of like when you sit down to have a meal, and you're like, would you please say grace? And they say, a thank you prayer to God for the food, you know, a little bit of overlap between those ideas. God sees that as gracious, gracious, meaning full of grace. When you are suffering unjustly and you endure it, God sees that as full of grace. When you do good and you suffer for it and you bear that suffering without bitterness or resentment, God calls that gracious. If you got it in front of you, look at verse 22 with me. He says, To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. If, if, if you picture following in Jesus' footsteps as a frictionless glide through this life where everyone loves and appreciates you and all you do, and then in the end you go to heaven, then you're not actually picturing walking in Jesus' footsteps. What you're picturing is going a different route and rendezvousing with Jesus at the finish line. And I want to tell you something. That path is not actually better. It's more comfortable, but it's not better. The best things in life are seldom easy. God in his wisdom knows that you need that friction. You need the opposition. Assuming, of course, that it's coming from following Jesus and not just from you being a jerk, right? Like, if you're, if you're suffering because you did something dumb, there's no credit in that. Peter said so, right? If you suffer because of your sin, there's no credit in that. But if you suffer unjustly for doing good, that is a gracious thing in God's sight. See, how do we make sense out of that? Well, let me, let me flip it around since we're talking about following in Jesus' footsteps, one of the things that is amazing about Jesus 
is how he gives grace to sinners. We wrote a song about it. Amazing grace, right? What does that mean, though, that he gives grace? What is grace even? Well, grace is undeserved kindness. It's mercy and forgiveness when, when it's unwarranted. It's choosing peace instead of revenge. It's blessing those who curse you and praying for those who would be your enemy. It's, it's the life that we see Jesus live. And we love that about him, right? When you see Jesus on the cross and he looks down and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You go, man, what an incredible, what an incredible Savior to show grace in a moment like that. Here's the deal. You will never have the opportunity to be gracious like that unless you're put in situations and relationships where forgiveness and love are undeserved. You will never have the opportunity to be gracious like that, to grow in grace like that, if you don't suffer for doing good. You know, Jesus, uh, this comes out of Luke. It, it, it also shows up slightly worded very closely in the book of Matthew. I'm going to read the Luke version real quick. He says this, If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Ah, Love your enemies and do good and lend, expect, uh, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be called sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. See, without suffering, without opposition, without enemies, how will we ever grow in our capacity to give grace? Following Jesus doesn't mean a smooth and carefree path forward. It means being treated unfairly and unjustly. And praise God when that happens as a result of following Christ because that's when and that's where you get to learn what being gracious is all about. But there is more to the story, right? It's not just that these are character-developing moments for you. It gets better. See, uh, Jesus himself said, great is your reward in heaven. And Peter, Peter describes Jesus this way when he's saying that he's our example, right? We read these words earlier today. He said, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Well, that's a weird way to describe God, right? 
entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You see what he's saying there? He's saying that Jesus didn't fight for his right or his due. He simply did what was right. And then entrusted himself to the Father. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That's an important phrase because he could use any descriptor he wanted to. He could have said he entrusted himself to his heavenly father. He entrusted himself to God Almighty, whatever. But what he chose was to focus on the justice of God. See, God sees and notices your good deeds. I know many of us as Lutherans, when we hear good deeds, theological red flags start going off, right? Because we've learned so much that you are saved by grace apart from works. And you are. But do you think that means that God doesn't appreciate when you serve him? You think it means that God doesn't appreciate when you represent him? When you're his hands and feet and voice? He loves that. He loves that. God sees your gracious acts just as he saw Jesus' gracious acts. Jesus did without expecting a reward on earth. Instead, he entrusted himself to the Father. And let me ask you something. Did the Father honor and reward Jesus' good deeds? Did he give him glory and honor? Did the Father give Jesus glory and honor? Yes. This is important. When and where did Jesus receive it? Jesus set his eyes on eternity. He wasn't concerned about getting his reward up front here and now. He was content to receive his reward in eternity. We are... We are living for eternity. So let me ask you, would you prefer to have your reward here and now where at best you can enjoy it for a few decades? Or would you prefer it be kept safe on the other side where you will have it for countless millennia? Would you prefer a reward that you are guaranteed to lose? Or a reward that you can't possibly lose? I know we don't often think in these terms, and I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, we serve God to help ourselves. That's not it. But I am saying that we serve God because we love God, but he loves you back. And he's not ignoring you, and he's not downplaying the suffering you endure on his behalf. He sees it, he values it, and he is going to reward you with it on the other side. So here's the thing, right? No good deed goes unpunished. I don't think that's how it goes. I think maybe it goes something like this. At least for those of us who have been saved by Christ, no good deed goes unrewarded. But to see it that way, you have to take the long view, right? 
maybe we'll have to let go of the idea that we get to determine what the reward is supposed to be and when we're supposed to get it. Maybe we, just like Jesus, can endure suffering with love and compassion and graciousness, entrusting ourselves to God and his good heart for us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you give us opportunities to grow, that you give us opportunities to become more like Christ. Lord, a lot of us uh, know the dangers of praying for patience because you're going to make us wait. (laughs) But Lord, this is true in so many areas of our life, and one of them is in grace. So Lord, I pray that you will increase our capacity for grace. I pray, Lord, for the for the courage for us to do what is right in the face of hardship. I pray, Lord, for the hope and the joy that we have in knowing that you see it and that you will reward it. And Lord, I pray also for the very simple joy of just knowing that as we have the opportunity to be gracious, we are by the Holy Spirit being grown more and more to be like Jesus. And in so doing, Lord, we get to show the world a picture of what he's like. We thank you so much for always being with us. We thank you so much for the salvation that Jesus won for us, that we can't earn it, that he gives it to us as a gift, and that eternal life starts now. And I pray, Lord, that you will teach us to live not for now, but for eternity. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.